Well, hello, and welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor at Light Reading. And I'm Peter Edison, founder of uh, Boost Mobile and now MobileX. All right. Hey, Peter, glad you could uh, connect with me here in Las Vegas for the podcast. We're at CES 2014. You're here in your, uh, your suite, and I'm sure you're, you're having a lot of meetings throughout the, uh, the week. But, um, you know, to kind of kick things off today, I wanted to maybe have, I wanted to have you or just help give, give everybody their bearings on you and MobileX, but maybe spend a little bit, uh, just a moment to talk about the new company. Yep. Mobile X and its approach to the market and uh, the segment um, of the prepaid market that you're focused on. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when I looked at, we launched Boost, right? We're one of the first prepaid customers, uh, prepaid brands ever to launch in the US. I think Virgin might have been a few days before us. And uh, and we grew the prepaid business. It was back when I think it was about 49% market penetration in uh, in mobile altogether. Prepaid so, was? No, total oh. mobile. Oh. market. It was only 49% of Americans oh. had phones. Oh, okay. Um, that's how old I am. And, and so what we did was we came into prepay when basically, you know, talking about prepaid in America back then was like you had leprosy, right? Nobody wanted to touch prepaid. Everyone wanted postpaid okay. because this, the, the street was valuing a postpaid customer at like twelve to $1,300 and a prepaid customer at less than 200 So we came in and we pioneered really the prepaid market. And so when I came back with MobileX, I wanted to make sure that we did something very, very different. And, uh, and, and, and the two things that, well, there's three ways that carriers really stick it into you, right, as a, as a customer. First one is breakage, right, which is basically they sell you data they know you don't need, right? It's a very large portion of how they make their money. Second is overage, right? So as an example, the cable guys send you, sell you a gig for $14. If you go over, you pay another $14. So basically you pay $30 for two gigs. Um, and so then the third one is international roaming, right? This international roaming drives me around the bend. So what I wanted to do is be disruptive. And, and people talk about being disruptive and their strategy of being disruptive is to add Netflix or add HBO. <laughs> Just um, bundle in content and you know, yeah, put a bow on it. Yeah. That's not really that disruptive or they yeah. throw in a taco on a Tuesday. What <laughs> we wanted to do is something disruptive, and I mean truly disruptive, and that is put the power back into consumers. And so in 2019, we built an AI platform long before AI became the hot topic. Um, I wanted to use artificial intelligence to help people understand what they needed. Um, I always ask people, and I'll, I'll ask you, and I'm almost positive you're not going to be able to answer the question, how much data do you use a month? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, I would say it's under 20 gigs because uh, I usually get a uh, an alert if I go over it, but it's usually under. I, I can't tell you exactly. Uh, it depends on the month. Yeah. See, the bottom line is no one knows, right? And then if I ask you exactly how much you pay per month, including fees and taxes, what's your bill? Uh, see, I'm on a family plan. It's in the, the range of... I want to say two hundred dollars for me, but I, I'm going through. Just yeah, you know, I, I I do get um, service from Xfinity Mobile. Just yeah. Yep. So here's the thing that you couldn't answer. You couldn't answer how much you were getting or how much you were paying, and that's okay because ninety nine point nine percent of Americans yeah. can't answer that question. And by the way, it's by design. I can go look at my bill, but of yeah. course, it's yeah. you can go look at your bill. But I tell you what, you look at every single day is your usage on electricity. You don't leave your house and leave all your lights on, right? You basically go off and turn them all off, even though we can afford our electricity. When you get your gasoline, the gasoline company doesn't, the petrol company doesn't allow you to fill your car up for a hundred bucks, right? And then at the end of the month, if you've driven 10 miles or five miles, siphon it out and then put the same hundred dollars back in. That's how carrier mentality works today. And so mm -hmm. what we want to do is give consumers, be able to answer that question for you. And any given time inside our app, we can tell you exactly how much data you used. And what AI also does is in the first 10 days, you download the app. In the first 10 days, just go run around, do what you're doing, and then we predict what your usage is going to be. So we create an individual plan for you um, down to your exact needs. So if it's 2.2 gigabytes, 
we control that. You have three other ways to be able, two other ways to be able to come on. You can buy the unlimited plan, which we have, which is the 2488, 30 gigs, or you can do the 1488, um, five gigs. If you know better, if you think you know better, you can buy those plans, traditional plans. But what's different about these plans? Oh, so these are like the high level yeah. plans that you have. These are the fake unlimited that everybody has, right? So <laughs> you, you can basically go get those plans. But here's what happens that nobody else happens is every month we are looking at your usage. If we find out that you don't need 30 gigabytes, that you don't need 2488, we will notify you and say, hey, by the way, why don't you lower your plan? You can actually, so we're one of the only carriers in the world that actually lowers your price. We're not trying to increase your price. In fact, we're trying to find ways for you to save. So you can choose those plans. You can do the AI or you can just set a budget. You just say, like my daughter, she's 10 years old. I said, you got $10. She goes, okay, dad. So she goes on, she sets the budget, goes into the app. She puts in $10 in the budget toolbar. And she goes, well, I don't need unlimited talk and text, dad, because I only call you, right? I don't talk to anyone else um, other than you. So she put in $1.50 for 50 minutes and 50 talk and text. And then that allowed her to go from 1.3 gigs to, th to 3 gigs. So now she's more about the data than she is about the, um, about the, uh, the messaging and minutes. So it really gives you complete and utter control. Imagine you're the carrier, you're the MVNO. Right now, the way that it works is when your rate plan comes down to you, it goes into pricing. So pricing inside a carrier will get it. By the way, they're not thinking about you, right? They're thinking about the network, they're thinking about the cost, they're thinking about the sales and distribution channels, they're thinking about marketing, their jets, they're thinking about everything that they have to cover, right? Then that creates the pricing plan. Then they move it to the dealer. Now the dealer has three or four different prices, but the problem with the dealer is he gets incentivized on the higher price. So when you walk through the door to buy a phone or to buy a service, you are the last person in the food chain, the last person to be thought about because everyone's trying to make money off you. Higher data plans, trying to get you to go up because everybody makes more. By the way, your usage is less. They know that it's less. And so what we want to do is put the power back in the consumers. So we basically put consumer, the AI in the hand of consumers. So the consumers tell us what they want to pay. We'll help them understand what they need to pay through the artificial intelligence, but they end up telling us. And everyone's usage, as you said before, changes every single month. And so you can change your rate plan every single month with us if you want to change it, or you can just let the AI do it for you. Now, can you do that and still make money as a business and uh, be profitable that way? I mean, because uh, you're going to have a lot of variance in your margin, it, it feels like we'll kind of adjust based on what the AI is determining. Well, yeah, and as an example, I was on a very high-priced AT&T plan, uh, north of $100, and my bill now runs at around $18 to $19. Um, we've got customers who've joined us who are on $85, $90 plan from T-Mobile. They're now running around $11. Um, and the reason being is if you don't use video, you know, video is the largest driver of data usage, right? So yeah. if you don't use a lot of social media video when you're out and about, a lot of people still sit in Wi-Fi, so they don't realize the difference between Wi-Fi and mobile. A lot of people buy it as an insurance policy. They just don't want to have to worry about it. But I'm like, we're saving you significant amounts of money, right? A year, thousands of dollars a year. Over four or five years, could be five to $10,000 a year. Um, so people are starting to see that. But yeah, look, our, our, our costs are what matters, right? Keeping our costs low. Our co uh, and so when I sit back and see what we're doing, we make money off every customer that we have. Um, but what we try to do is keep our costs low because that allows us as a company to make money. Right. And when, when did you start? Just to remind me, yeah. uh, when did you, you know, officially launch and start uh, putting customers on your service? Yeah, I think the official launch. Um, so we launched in November of last year and it was a uh, absolute failure. Um, the technology didn't work. The platform didn't work. Um, in fact, I went in on... Right, so November 2020. 
Two? Two. 22. Okay. So I went on actually I think in uh, January of 23 and told everybody not to sign up for it. I said okay. it's not ready. Um, and we've worked tirelessly through 23, uh, so through January of 23. Um, we really did a, a soft launch probably more around March, April. Um, mm-hmm. And then our hard launch with Walmart starts, our official launch with Walmart starts uh, February. Um, February one. That's when. Also, oh, just coming up. That's when I consider ourselves fully commercial in February. Yeah, right. because people don't understand that the actual technology that we use. Um, we've had thirty developers working on this for three years. It's to have that flexibility and customization. There's so much information you require. Real time APIs coming out of it. So we have, as an example, we have basically you know. Uh, dark fiber going into the data centers of our carrier. We have rack space inside their data centers. We really, we're in the cloud, which is one of the few very companies, very few company MVNOs that are in the cloud. We're app based. So a lot of the technology that we have um, has never never been done before. And we've really had to spend a lot of energy and effort getting that to work with a traditional carrier and with the future of what we want to do. So, yeah, that's why it took us a lot longer than I thought. But um, we're there now and I'm very comfortable that the, the platform is working. We've got, uh, you know, thousands of customers. So we now have a, a big enough base to to know what's going on with our base. Yep. Um, and, you know, we're constantly updating the app. We updated it last night um, to make the onboarding experience better. So we're constantly learning. And by the time uh, the end of uh, January rolls around, um, when we're going into our Walmart full relationship across all their stores, then I think we're going to be in a great position to really put the hammer down. And uh, what's been the biggest learning so far for the customers that are on the service ahead of the, you know, the big launch that's coming? You know, the funny thing is it's, it's, it's really changing habits of consumers. I mean, when I look at what consumers do today, they, they buy these unlimited plans because they just want security, Right. They don't know what they need and, and when they find out what they actually how little they actually use and how much they could save, that's changing their habits. And we're seeing that with our customers. Our customers aren't leaving because if they leave, there's nowhere else to go that allows you the customization. So I, I really recommend everybody download and try the app for the first 10 days, find out what your usage is. Putting a number over is becoming easier. eSIM's making it easier. Um, so what we're seeing, and it was one of our biggest challenges, by the way, and still is one of our biggest challenges, is changing consumers' habits. The carriers have spent billions of dollars brainwashing consumers into these fake unlimited plans, and, and now it's our job to go out there and say, hey, by the way, slow up, you don't need it. They know you don't need it, um, but they don't want you to know that. And, and so the fact that the average consumer doesn't know how much they actually use, and by the way, you could ask every person on the street What's your data usage? Not one person would be able to answer you the question. Probably not off the top of their head, but you're right. You'd have to dig into an app to find it. Yeah. And so. With us, it's about 30 seconds. Okay. Um, you go into the app and you can All find right. out exactly what you're using. And every month, your rate plan's changing. So every month, my rate plan changes based on my usage. If I go away a lot, it, it'll move me to the more higher price plan because I'm using a lot more data. If I'm staying at home, like at COVID, our APU would drop across the base probably for the 12 months would probably drop down to one of the lowest you've ever seen. Right. And that's because people stuck at home. They're not using their phones as much. All right. Well, one thing I want to ask you too, is a little bit about um, offloading and Wi-Fi. And I know I was, you know, when I was doing some uh, reading up before we met, uh, you know, the attempt to see if uh, you could leverage some of the, uh, the Wi-Fi footprint that some of the cable operators have. Um, but how, how important is uh, Wi-Fi offload going to be in your business model, right? And I don't know, like early on, what, what, you know, how much of the data is over the, uh, the mobile network versus the Wi-Fi network for your initial 
batch of customers. But uh, yeah, I just want to kind of get a, a sense of what the strategic focus of it, that's going to be for you and what it means for your business. So, so I don't really know that a carrier's business model is actually built on more Wi-Fi offload than actually using the network. I mean, that's how yeah. they make their money, right? right? So they know that 70 to 80% of the people are going to be in Wi-Fi yeah. and not use the mobile data. Um, so I think the offloading of it, by the way, just on the cable guys, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm pushing the FCC because I actually think that the cable guys should actually be made to wholesale out their broadband networks. Um, it, happens in the, it happens internationally. Um, they get to basically sell you know, fixed broadband into the homes exclusively. They've got a, basically a duopoly, right, between Comcast and Charter, yet they are forced, they were forced by the regulators to let their MVNO happen, right? So they basically were told when they sold that spectrum, I think in 2013, they basically said in order to sell that spectrum, the regulator said you have to give Comcast and Charter an MVNO. So they get to use the wireless networks, but when it comes to their own networks, they're like, no, 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 we don't wholesale that out. So I think that... You know, I would like to see the regulators change that. I would like them to force Spectrum and um, Charter to 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 basically and Comcast to basically have to resell their fixed yeah. broadband networks. Allows companies like ours then to sell bundles, which is what they sell. So I think it's a very important part of the the future. So this whole digital divide thing they keep talking about, when you've really got two providers for for fixed broadband into the home, um, you need to wholesale that out. They need to regulate that. And 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 I know Spectrum and Comcast won't like to hear that, but that's what they should be doing. And it's happening in the rest of the world. Now, would you, um, yeah, let's say it did open up that, would you actually be willing to, um, to pay for that access or how would that business model work Absolutely. in your, yeah. Absolutely no different. Do we pay for the fix for the wireless network access, right? Okay. We, we wholesale from Verizon. We wholesale from T-Mobile or AT&T. You should be able to wholesale that fixed broadband. In fact, I'm launching in boost Australia, which I still own. We're launching boost at home because the government took over the fixed broadband, right? And so now everyone gets to use it. So you can actually wholesale out the fixed broadband network. It happens in the UK and it's happening in other countries. You know, America talks about, um, you know, regulation and trying to protect it. They, they throw out the ACP program, which, you know, I've spoken a lot about is basically fraud. Um, they, they throw out a lot of these programs, but the real one is fixed broadband into the home, the digital divide, get the cable guys to provide access to companies like ours that can resell that um, and I think that then you're going to see real competition. So I, I hopefully they'll, they'll start doing that. Maybe not. I mean, obviously there's some pretty big lobbyists inside of Comcast and Spectrum, but I think that that's where we should go is basically having all digital networks wholesaled out, including wireless and fixed. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about how, uh, how you're going to be, how you're going to sell mobile X, right? We know about the, um, the Walmart deal. Uh, you know, you can, obviously you can sell the service online. So, uh, you know, how important is each of those are the different channels or maybe talk a little bit about all the different channels you have and what your expectation is in terms of, uh, you know, the, the option or the, the path that customers are going to take to you. Retail is important. I've always said that. Um, I think as we continue to go down the path and look at our strategy to go, um, to go forward, I think one of the mistakes that, you know, our competitors like Boost Infinite have made is that they didn't go into retail, right? They went on online only, and I don't think the market's there yet. I think it's gonna take a little while longer. So we have a real robust strategy around um, retail. Walmart is the biggest. So, you know, a company like ours is a small company, so you can't be trying to do multiple things at once. So you choose the biggest and you execute against that. So we're very laser focused in our relationship with Walmart. Um, we didn't need a Target or a Best Buy just to confuse it. So Walmart's, okay. I think- Is that the, the, is that the, uh, the only retailer to start? 
So the major, the only retailer we have, national retailer right now, is Walmart. Yeah, okay. and again, there I think ninety percent of Americans live within ten miles of a Walmart, so I've got that yeah. that covered. And then the dealer network. I've been a big supporter of the dealer network. One of the reasons why I started Mobilex uh, was to support the dealer network because I felt with Boost going away, which it has in Metro, and that split up, um, that they would suffer, and they are suffering. You're seeing the, the the dealer network really start to to collapse, and with TrackPhone being bought out by Verizon, they're not focusing as much on the dealer network. So we'll have. Dealer network, indirect uh, dealers, independent wireless dealers, and we'll have Walmart. And then we'll obviously have our own online uh, experience. But I expect to see Walmart and the dealers to be the majority of our customers coming in for 2024. Okay. And, you know, you did mention uh, Boost and Dish. And, you know, I think for any of us who follow your uh, commentary on Twitter slash X, you've been kind of critical (laughs) of what uh, Dish is doing. So, uh, you know, if, if you had like one piece of advice for them, you know, since you, you, know, you you've had success in this business, you've had ups and downs and, 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 and uh, you know, throughout, you know, the, the years, but um, if you were, you know, to talk to the company right now, it's like, Hey, what would be the number one thing they should do? Get out of retail. Um, they got to get out of it. Um, I don't think they actually wanted to be in it. I think they were forced to be in it because the FCC and the DAJ required that as part of the regulation, get out of retail Every time that they get on an earnings call, they tell you that they're not interested in retailers, that they want to do online. Um, I'm sure that doesn't resonate very well to the retailers that are selling their product. I don't think they're very happy um, about that. So I think they've got to get out of that. I think you've got to get people in there that understand and know the business. There's nobody inside that organization that really truly understands the business, um, but definitely the prepaid business. Um, and so I think they've got to really get serious about it. So I would say sell it off, spin it off, do a deal with whoever buys it to use their network. Um, so you get the network benefits um, from it. But, um, you know, it's funny because everyone's like, and it's going to be interesting because you remember, if you go back and look, listen to the earnings call, I think it was at the beginning of this year, last year, they said the fourth quarter, this fourth quarter we've just gone through, would be the changer, the game changer. You know, they've lost subscribers ever since they bought Boost. Within three years, they've, three years they've never had, I think they had one quarter when they added 1,000, right? Um, but they've lost subs. The whole, and they all said, don't worry, Boost Infinite's coming. We've got Boost prepaid already, the fourth quarter. Their results, uh, when they report those in the next, uh, you know. Coming up. It's coming up. Yeah. If that's not a positive net growth ad, um, then as far as I'm concerned, and they can't keep blaming people, oh, you know, Stokels is not there anymore and we've got a new guy. And it's like, you've had it for three years. Um, you've failed over the last three years. Nothing's going to happen in the next three years. The other problem they've got, and I think they made this comment at an analyst day in Vegas, is that they say they need around 30 million subscribers to make that network work. 30 million, which with churn means you need 100 million devices. If you've got a 4 or 5% churn, right? You need to have sold 100 million devices oh, to, get to, 30. to get to 30. Yeah. How do they do that? Like, honestly, if you haven't got a subscriber count that's grown in the last three years, what are you going to do that's going to turn that around? I think that's the real question that... And then the cost to get 100 million devices, the cost to get 30 million devices, that is absolutely massive. And I think that... People are underestimating that. They go, oh, it's $10 billion to build the network. It's probably another 10 to $15 billion to get 100 million customers, right? And I think they're learning that now with the Boost Infinite uh, iPhone purchases. I'm sure that that's been an expensive exercise for them. Now, what about for MobileX? I mean, to achieve your business goals, I mean, what, what, what kind of subscriber counts? And uh, again, I know it's, you're going to have a lot of variance in your subscriber base, but uh, you know, where do you need to get to? There's 70 million Americans every year that are basically changing their, their devices, right, and changing their rate plans and changing their carriers because and price is the first 
um, coverage is the second. Because um, we have such a great value, we think we can we can attract a lot of those uh, a lot of those customers. Um, because our costs are low, we don't need a huge amount of um, of customers to make our model work, right? So yeah. that's where we're lucky. Because if you keep your costs low, we're not building out a five G open RAN network, right? So we don't have all the expenses of doing that. So I, I'm pretty comfortable that we we can grow slowly. Um, if people forget, right? They're like, well, how are you guys tracking? I said, you know, consumer seller that we sold. For 2.3 billion, right? I had about 4 million subscribers. Um, they started in 1996. Mint Mobile, they just sold, right? They're eight to 10 years old. TrackPhone is 20 years old. Yeah. So when I sit back and it's like, there are no overnight successes in the MVNO space. And it's funny because everyone thinks that Boost was an overnight success. No, it wasn't. It took years and years and years. So we're patient. We understand the business. And that, that was my point really on on Helium that was you know, promoting the 30,000, like slow down for a second, you guys, it's not how it works. There's no MVNO in the world that's gone from zero to here. If you look at Comcast and Charter, which everybody says, well, they got two million. Yeah. Their cost per gross ad was like 12 or $1,300. They were spending billions of dollars to get that customer. People forget the first two years, right? Which basically they were spending 1200 to $1,800 a customer to get right. them on board. No other MVNO in the world could substantiate or justify the billions of dollars that Comcast and yep. Charter were spending to get those customers. Now everyone sits them on their back and go, oh, look at how successful they are. I'm going, sorry. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, they were, they were a different circumstance, yeah. I think. Yeah. It was strategic. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and then we're going to have to see how the, uh, the NCTC members do with, with you know, what they're doing. They're, they, you know, they, I think we were expecting to have more uh, uh, public announcements on that. But, uh uh, you know that that's. You know, I think it's going to be difficult for anybody yeah to replicate anything what you know Charter and Comcast could do based on what you're saying. It's impossible. I mean, they spent. People forget they spent billions, billions on getting those first one to two million subs. There's nobody else in the world. I go to a private equity firm and say, "Hey, I want to spend two billion dollars to get two million customers." They look at me like you're insane, right? Yeah. And and so only Comcast and Charter could do that because they were trying to save another part of their business, right? Yeah. They were trying to save the the major part of that business, which was the disconnect from cable and the broadband guys. So it's a very different business model. So I don't use cable. It frustrates me when I see, you know, analysts use cable as the poster child of MVNOs of how successful they can be. I'm going, yeah, slow down for a second. They didn't care about how much money they made. They spent billions getting there, right? They lost a lot of money to get there because they had a bigger problem, which was the disconnect of all their customers on their well, other side of the business. They wanted to shore up, yeah, broadband because broadband is now the central, is the centerpiece of everything for them. Yeah. Now, one thing, um, you know, that's important to the mobile business, whether you're postpaid, prepaid, is the devices, right? Um, what is your uh, strategy or how, how are you going to get devices out there and, and get devices into the hands or the kind of devices into people's hands that they want? Look, I think there's two devices, right? When I, when I talk about this, there's the Apple environment which is its own ecosystem yeah and then there's everybody else right and 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 you know samsung won't like me putting them in the everywhere else but that's where they are right they're in the everywhere else so you've got to look at it as two different customers an iphone customer right and an apple customer is i call them a bit like scientologists right you can never convince them to go anywhere else right they, they're <laughs> stuck on apple and they love <laughs> apple um but you've got different apple customers right you've got the 12 customer the 13 customer the 14 customer so you've got the lower end customer and then you've got the apple customer who wants a new device every year i think there's less and less of the customers who want a new device every year so i think apple's going to slow down pretty quickly 
Um, I think the life cycle of turning those things over is going to get harder and harder and harder for Apple. So I think what you're probably going to see potentially is Apple change their approach to not taking that um, wheel, the be all and end all. They're going to have to start doing things differently if they want to grow their market, if they want to grow their market share. So I think my prediction in the next two to years is that Apple's going to slow down, but they're going to have to do some things like working with companies like MobileX that are going to do things differently that are going to hopefully bring up a new market. On the Android side, I mean, you, you know, on the, that side, you're always going to see um, the value play there. So people are just going to want to turn over their devices. Um, I think the refurb market, which is very big for us in Australia with Boost, I think the refurb market's going to get stronger. Um, but, you know, this whole concept of subsidizing a handset, um, I think is going to start to change as people start to realize that they're, they're, the pricing needs to be more flexible in the plans. Um, so, yeah, look, I think that we're going to see a, a dramatic change uh, I think in the handset, um, the way that people consume and buy handsets in the next couple of years. Okay. And the last thing is I was, you know, as I was uh, kind of catching up on everything you're doing, um, there was, uh, you know, Mike Dano, you know, did write, or there was a piece about uh, some intentions to bring Mobile X to the European market. Um, not to put the cart before the horse here. I mean, you're just getting underway in, in, in uh, getting things rolling in uh, the U.S., but uh, what, what's the, the update on your progress there? No, we're in serious discussions with global carriers. I mean, I, I've got this concept of, which is the third thing that carriers uh, kind of take customers, take advantage of customers, and that is the gigabyte, the global gigabyte. When you buy a gig in America, you should be able to use that gigabyte anywhere in the world, right? And the problem right now is if I buy 20 gigs in America or five gigs in America and I go overseas, they bolt on an extra gigabyte, right? They charge me $10 a day, $70 a week. Right. For the right. And I'm like, well, why? I, I bought the plan. So if you go away for three weeks and you're on a plan in America, um, you've, well, you've bought the American yeah. plan that you know you haven't used and now you've bought another plan. So what we're doing is we're working on a global gigabyte. So whatever plan you buy in any country in the world on a mobile X plan, that gig will come with you. So there'll be no international roaming. You've got five gigs in the UK, you bring them here, the five gigs will work here. You've got five gigs in America, you go to Italy or Singapore or Australia, um, your five gigs will work. Um, and so there'll be no more international roaming. It'll be, you know, when, when you were land in a country, right, the, the first thing you have to do, the clunkiest part is getting a, ne a connection to the network, right? Yeah. It goes through a carrier you've never heard of. If you have a problem, you try to call back to AT&T. You're hopeful. You're hopeful. <laughs> you are. You're hopeful. Yeah. You, sometimes it works. Sometimes the data slows down. You know. Yeah. And, and, yeah. But you know what doesn't do that? Your email, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, every other application I don't have to log into a, an Instagram account in the EU or in the UK. It all works. So every platform company works. And so MobileX is a platform company. It should just work. And so that's what we're working on right now is, but we need integration in all the carriers. And, and yeah. so we'll, we'll hopefully be launching this year, uh, the UK and Europe. So six countries in Europe and the UK. And then we'll look at, uh, at other markets as they come online. All right. Well, thank you so much. I think that's where we're going to leave it uh, for today, Peter. But thanks again for joining me on the podcast. And uh, good luck the rest of the way here at CES. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. <laughs>